you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. In Deuteronomy, chapters 20 and 21, when you go out to war against your enemies and see horses, chariots, and an army larger than yours, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, is with you. When you are about to engage in battle, the priest is to come forward and address the army. He is to say to them, listen, Israel, today you are about to engage in battle with your enemies. Do not be cowardly. Do not be afraid, alarmed, or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. The officers are to address the army. Has any man built a new house and not dedicated it? Let him leave and return home. Otherwise, he may die in battle and another man may dedicate it. Has any man planted a vineyard and not begun to enjoy its fruit? Let him leave and return home. Otherwise, he may die in battle and another man enjoy its fruit. Has any man become engaged to a woman and not married her? Let him leave and return home. Otherwise, he may die in battle and another man marry her. The officers will continue to address the army and say, Is there any man who is afraid or cowardly? Let him leave and return home so that his brothers won't lose heart as he did. When the officers have finished addressing the army, they will appoint military commanders to lead it. When you approach a city to fight against it, make an offer of peace. If it accepts your offer of peace and opens its gates to you, all the people found in it will become forced laborers for for you and serve you. However, if it does not make peace with you but wages war against you, lay siege to it. When the Lord your God hands it over to you, strike down all its males with the sword. But you may take the women, dependents, animals, and whatever else is in the city, all its spoil, as plunder." You may enjoy the spoil of your enemies that the Lord your God has given you. This is how you are to treat all the cities that are far away from you and are not among the cities of these nations. However, you must not let any living thing survive among the cities of these people the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. You must completely destroy them. The Hethite, Amorite, Canaanite, Perizzite, Hivite, and Jebusite as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that they won't teach you to do all the detestable acts they do for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. When you lay siege to a city for a long time, fighting against it in order to capture it, do not destroy its trees by putting an axe to them, because you can get food from them. Do not cut them down. Are trees of the field human to come under siege by you? But you may destroy the trees that you know do not produce food. 
you may cut them down to build siege works against the city that is waging war against you until it falls. If a murder victim is found lying in a field in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess, and it is not known who killed him, your elders and judges are to come out and measure the distance from the victim to the nearby cities. The elders of the city nearest to the victim are to get a young cow that has not been yoked or used for work. The elders of that city will bring the cow down to a continually flowing stream, to a place not tilled or sown, and they will break its neck there by the stream. Then the priests, the sons of Levi, will come forward. For the Lord your God has chosen them to serve him and pronounce blessings in his name. And they are to give a ruling in every dispute in case of assault. All the elders of the city nearest to the victim will wash their hands by the stream over the young cow whose neck has been broken. They will declare, our hands did not shed this blood. Our eyes did not see it. Lord, wipe away the guilt of your people Israel whom you redeemed, and do not hold the shedding of innocent blood against them. Then the responsibility for bloodshed will be wiped away from them. You must purge from yourselves the guilt of shedding innocent blood, for you will be doing what is right in the Lord's sight. When you go to war against your enemies and the Lord your God hands them over to you and you take some of them prisoner, and if you see a beautiful woman among the captives, desire her and want to take her as your wife, you are to bring her into your house she is to shave her head, trim her nails, remove the clothes she was wearing when she was taken prisoner, live in your house, and mourn for her father and mother a full month. After that, you may have sexual relations with her and be her husband, and she shall be your wife. Then if you are not satisfied with her, you are to let her go where she wants, but you must not sell her or treat her as merchandise, because you have humiliated her. If a man has two wives, one loved and the other unloved, and both the loved and the unloved bear him sons, and if the unloved wife has the firstborn son, when that man gives what he has to his sons as an inheritance, he is not to show favoritism to the son of the loved wife as his firstborn over the firstborn of the unloved wife. He must acknowledge the firstborn, the son of the unloved wife, by giving him two shares of his estate, for he is the firstfruits of his virility. He has the rights of the firstborn. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father or mother and doesn't listen to them even after they discipline him, his father and mother are to take hold of him and bring him to the elders of his city, to the gate of his hometown. They will say to the elders of his city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He doesn't obey us. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city will stone him to death. You must purge the evil from you, and all Israel will hear and be afraid. If anyone is found guilty of an offense deserving the death penalty and is executed and you hang his body on a tree, you are not to leave his corpse on the tree overnight. Or to, but are to bury him that day. For anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. You must not defile the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. May God add his blessing 
to this reading from His holy and inspired Word. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations. I am so thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to please help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be part of the miracle. wvr.org. Please help us. Help these children. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is The first thing that we look at in this passage in chapter 20 is instruction for when you are about to go to war. And what God says to his people is he doesn't want people half-heartedly fighting. It begins with instruction to not be afraid. When you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than yours, do not be afraid of them. That's the first command in this section. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. This is something that's commanded repeatedly in Scripture, Old and New Testament. Please take it to heart. It is not okay to embrace fear and let it control your decisions. Now, it doesn't say you can't feel fear. There's a difference between feeling fear and giving in to fear. A person who feels fear is human and awake. Okay? A person who gives in to fear is sinning against God. So, God says, do not be afraid of them. Well, why shouldn't we be afraid? They've got a bigger army and more military equipment than we do. Here's why. Because the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, is with you. So, whatever the army is, however big and powerful and intimidating they may seem, God commands his people, do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you. And folks, you and I need to take that to heart, because all of us have to face scary stuff sometimes. But look at this. When you're about to engage in battle, the priest is to come forward and address the army, and he's to say to them, listen, Israel. Today you are about to engage in battle with your enemies. Do not be cowardly. Do not be afraid, alarmed, or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. I just want to ask you a question. Do you really believe that? If you really believe that God is for you, it totally changes every situation. Does that mean if God is for us, everything will go the way we'd like? Not necessarily. Please notice in the verses that immediately follow, the armies to be told, now look, if you're here and you're engaged, 
and you haven't gotten married yet, you go ahead and go home, because if you stay here and fight, you may get killed. Okay? If you've bought some farmland and you haven't gotten to enjoy the fruit of it yet, you, you go ahead and go home. Because if you stay here and fight, you may get killed. What is he saying? I thought you just said the Lord was going to fight for us. The Lord is going to fight for us, but it doesn't mean you may not die. Now, folks, we've got to let that sink in because there are some folks who just feel like, you know, well, I'm just going around here on my own. And I mean, God kind of set everything up, but now it's up to us. No, God is still at work. And there are other folks who are going around thinking, well, the Lord is on my side, so I don't even have flat tires. Okay? Nothing can possibly go wrong in my life. No, not only may you get wounded, you may die. Well, then why wouldn't I be afraid? Because if you know God, you don't have to be afraid to die. If you know God, you don't have to be afraid to die. Folks, that's where the peace comes from. Once you're not afraid to die, everything else is just temporary. Right? I mean, it's all temporary. One of my friends just had cancer surgery a couple of days ago, the same day that one of my other friends had open-heart surgery. Both of those are precious Christian people. Why would God let something like that happen to his children? Well, for lots of reasons that he talks about in his word. For one thing, if you don't ever go in the hospital except to visit other people, you're not going to have nearly the credibility that a witness in the hospital who's going through difficulty has. People, we, we think that folks are going to want to be Christians if they see us winning the beauty contest in the Heisman. Okay? You know, that's, they'll say, oh, I wish I could be like that. But do you know the witness of a person who's been through pain is much more powerful? Why would I talk about that? Because I want us to understand this. If you are not afraid, you're doing the right thing. If your trust is in God, you're doing the right thing. If you think that that will make you exempt from suffering and sorrow and difficulty and loss in this life, you have completely misunderstood the terms. God is so wonderfully clear in saying, if you're in this situation, you don't have to stay and fight. It's not like, we've got to have all the men we can. You can't leave. You've got to stay. If you're in this situation or this situation or this situation or some similar situation, you can go ahead and go home. Because those of us who are staying have to be ready to die. And then say to those men who remain, look, if you are here and you didn't fit in one of those categories and you were wishing that we would describe you so that you could leave, let me tell you right now, you can leave because if you're afraid, we don't want you. Boy, that is not the way America does church. You understand? I mean, that is just not it. But there are tons of folks who think that success means having as many people as possible whether or not they're committed. God's word paints a very different picture. 
A man comes to Jesus and says, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, uh, I'm not sure you do. See, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You need to count the cost. Are you serious about following Jesus? It'll cost you everything. It'll cost you everything. It won't just cost you a lot. It'll cost you everything. But, oh, dear people, do you understand that those who are all in are joyful? That there is a peace that passes understanding when you know that you are entirely in God's hands and that he is wise and kind and he loves you more than you love yourself? Do you understand that the one who tries to save his life will lose it? But the one who loses his life for Jesus' sake will find it. We don't have to be afraid. We can live with boldness and confidence because we're no longer afraid to die. And we know that God is with us. Hallelujah. And then it talks about unsolved murders. Verses 1 through 9 of chapter 21. God says that if there's a killing, and you can't figure out who's guilty, you can't just say, oh, well, we'll put that in our cold case file. God says you need to do something in order to demonstrate your concern for the loss of life, and you need, in a very official way, that recognizes God's view of what's going on to atone for what has happened. But in order to make it clear, this is not a bloody thing. Where this blood has been shed, this atoning sacrifice is to be killed without bloodshed. You break the animal's neck. You break the animal's neck and you wash your hands there in the stream and you say, we had nothing to do with this. We don't know who this is, but we are taking this seriously. God gives them a means to express their recognition for God's concern for innocent human life. This is so foreign to that culture, so foreign to human nature. Our tendency, if something like that happens, is just to look the other way and say, I didn't have anything to do with it. And God says, no, the leadership has to go and go through a ritual that points to the fact that ultimately the atonement for all of us will come through a substitute. More about that at the end of the chapter. The next section, fair treatment of captured women, verses 10 through 14. I'm sorry, this just gives me trouble. It's like, this says that if I'm out there as a soldier and I have just conquered and there's this woman I think is beautiful, I can just take her home and, and she becomes my wife. And I'm, you know, I, sounds like I may already be married. So, uh, and, then, and then if I don't like her after a while, I can send her away. So why would God give an instruction like that? Well, do you remember Jesus being asked about divorce? You remember what he said? He said, the reason Moses gave you that instruction was because of the hardness of your hearts. But God's plan from the beginning was that a man should leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the t 
two should become one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Well, then why would God do this? Why would God say something like this? To this day, there is a huge problem with rape in situations of military conquest. It, one of the scandals of the United Nations is that in country after country, decade after decade, the supposed peacekeeping forces have violently abused women and children. There is a tendency sometimes in a situation like this to see people as property, something dispensable that I can use to satisfy my own desires. God says to people who might find themselves feeling and thinking that way in the heat of the moment, if you find that woman attractive, you can take her home and wait 30 days during which time she is to mourn for her family that she's lost. And then, after 30 days, you can marry her. But there will not be rape. And then it says, if you're not satisfied with her, you can send her away. You cannot sell her. She's not your slave. You can send her away. Now, folks, if God had brought me in as a consultant on this, I would have used my very finite, modern sensibilities to suggest to him that we might want to re revise this. Okay? I mean, I'm just being honest. But you know what? This was about a billion light years ahead of both ancient culture and the human heart. Because we live in a country that would say, that's not okay, and then people go out and engage in all kinds of horrible sexual immorality with people, sometimes not even knowing their names. So who's civilized? This is not the ideal. This is what's permitted. God is not saying, this is the way I want you to live as the ideal picture of Christ and his bride. Read the New Testament, see what Jesus says about hardness of heart. God accommodated himself and restrained the evil of people who did not have the Holy Spirit in the way that we do today. Finally, in verse 22 and following, if anyone is found guilty of an offense deserving the death penalty and is executed, and you hang his body on a tree, you're not to leave his corpse on the tree overnight, but to, to bury him that day. For anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. You must not defile the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. In Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles 
by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised Spirit through faith. All through the scriptures, there are these glimpses, these moments of light pointing us to Jesus who came to seek and to save that which was lost. None of us will be declared righteous in God's sight by keeping the law because we've all broken the law. But God calls us to be one with him on the basis of what Jesus has done for us. Thanks be to God. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.